Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town you all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. Hey, I want to start off right away. This is Ruben. Um, y'all know how I feel about y'all know how I feel about um, parasocial relationships. I feel like I've made myself pretty clear. Sure, sure. Yep, yep, yep. We want to take advantage of them for money. Yep. Well, yeah, kind of. But, <laughs> no, but y'all know, no, we y'all don't. Know. They're unhealthy. You don't know us, but we love you. But right. But we don't really. But we love you. Right. But we love and yeah. appreciate your support. I don't know you. However, <laughs> um, I have read a certain text thread about, I don't know, I told the guys five, but it's really been like, I fucking read it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to shout out um, three friends, Kaylee, Macy, and Caitlin. Um, listen to me. <laughs> this is very important. If y'all can get me a strain, Called huh? either Ghost Strokes or SCP Pete or like SCP something. SCP Chiba? No. No? Okay. It's not the 60s SCP anymore. Weed? No, that's lame. <laughs> ghost Strokes is better. Yeah. I think Ghost Strokes is the strongest candidate. Ghost Strokes is the strongest candidate. What, really? But if you can get me a strain, um, I don't want to go too intense, but I'll, <laughs> I will make time in my life for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Well, you know. We, um, we could get to know each other for real. Like, so, I fully, yeah. So, <laughs> what, what Ruben is referencing for everyone. I literally ex- have not texted the chain because I'm too fucking excited. And I don't know how crazy <laughs> the shit, like, I'm so, I just want to make it very clear that I'm enthusiastic about this idea. <laughs> for everyone who's confused, and that's everyone in the world who listens, who isn't, isn't one of the, the three girls, we got my, by far, my favorite uh, message on the page. These... Three lovely fans of ours who told us that every day while they're at work, they listen to the show and then told me that they work in a marijuana grow facility. (laughs) So every every day my dreams are coming true (laughs) and I didn't even realize it. We get to talk to the plants. My yeah, we dude, talk to the plants. Do you know how Ruben. fucking rad that is? <laughs> they hear your voice, the plants, the, the plants. as they grow. You assist y'all their smoking weed that I've spoken to some <laughs> some of y'all spoken over like a preacher, like a dad, <laughs> like a plant dad, like a like an uncle for plants or something. My dr- listen, my life is fucking rad right now. I, like. <laughs> No, this was by far. Don and I had a long conversation with uh, wh- who who was the one that messaged us. I re- I swear to God, I remember all of their names. Kaylee, Kaylee, 
Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, we <laughs> we had a very long, very fun conversation with Kaylee on Facebook. And I was trying to go to bed at that time. <laughs> I was tired and I was just like, you know what? I'll let Josh handle it. And then she'd say something to be like, oh, I got to respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I see the messages come in and I don't know whether it's like right then or later well, like sometimes it's a weird guy asking us if we'll buy him a phone yeah or well, well i'm just for me specifically like i don't really like i am not an online person i don't like talking to people that i don't know which is why i have don and josh here with me doing this podcast because they are both capable of doing that <laughs> and well t- you know <laughs> And, and they have a bit better. I respond a, to you people between matches of Overwatch. I, I just want you to know that. That's I have where a my server voice, are. but I work at a restaurant that allows me to get a little bit rowdy with my customers. So <laughs> I don't really have a good customer service voice anymore. Me, do I left it at CVS when I quit? And well, you, you guys still have a better like professionalism than I even want to have. So I don't really respond to messages because the one time I did, I was telling a dude to basically fuck himself. So <laughs> stop hackers, block hackers. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but um I just want y'all to know, like, I'm so goddamn excited about this. <laughs> and if you if you can get I will fucking live in Ohio. I don't give a shit. <laughs> well here's the thing. Um Brandon and I, we've always planned another kind of, not a long trip, not like the one we did cross country, but uh, just another trip. And one of the stops we want to make is Cleveland, Ohio to go check out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like truly, if we get a strain for the show, I will, you can meet me. Like, I don't, I feel weird saying it, but like, I would for real Goddamn, I'd want to give you like a hug. Like, I would just be so goddamn, it would be amazing. A Reuben hug will change your life. Yes, dude. it will. I really don't hug people enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it so special. I probably should do that more, huh? No, it makes it more special. No, I feel like there's like a. We could all do with more hugs. We could all do with more hugs. That's Hey, true. guys, uh, if you got an anxiety condition, fucking find some friends you trust and give them a hug. Just, just try it. It's usually okay. And that's that's what the show is really all about, reminding you to hug your friends more. Yes, before they're murdered graphically and violently. Or, or, an, or before their fucking bodies are stolen and quote unquote <laughs> reach. <laughs> yeah, bud. Anyway, that brings us back to our fucking podcast, Two yeah. Towns Over. I'm Ruben. I'm Don. I'm Josh. And we actually have an actual urban legend we're going to talk about today. I know the show is called Urban Legend Podcast and... Most of our stories. I mean, loosely. Aren't. It's loosely. We're Eventually, loose. we talk about what the fuck we want to talk two about. Towns over. This I, one, we should have started at two towns over, but you know, we need yeah. you know demographics. You yeah. got to have them. This particular story is, it's so perfect. For... I'm shout- hey, I... one last thing. I want y'all to know. I will shout out my plant babies every fucking week. <laughs> Oh, oh, for sure. Every week. I'll Absolutely. be like, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Patreon, shout out to my plant babies. Bye. <laughs> like No, this this story is it's it's the perfect it, it is what Two Towns Over is all about. Because the urban legend that we're gonna do is so almost perfectly intertwined. It it's 
There's never been an urban Sassagrass legend. Sassagrass Charlie. That was the one. <laughs> yeah. There's there's never been an urban legend that has so perfectly like paralleled the true story before it was a true story. Like this is such a wild tale. Are we about to do a Joe Metheny right now? No. No. Even more? Yeah. What? Yeah. Josh is if for to... those of you who haven't heard the Joe Metheny episode, this was the Sloppy Joe where the urban legend, just very shortly, the urban legend was, if I'm remembering correctly, that a dude, various people served um, their wives to their wives' families as, as a... No, there was a guy who owned a diner and he caught his wife cheating on somebody. Yeah, yeah. Or cheating on him with somebody. He killed both of them, ground them up, and created what became the Sloppy Joe. Right. And he and fed them to her parents. Right. And one of the guys said, this is kind of Sloppy Joe, and that's where they got the name. Right. And the real fucking story yeah. is that a man named Joe Metheny fucking had a goddamn food truck. Wherein, I don't remember if we knew what he sold, but it is my headcanon that Sloppy Joe's gotta be in it. <laughs> and this motherfucker, for real, murdered his... No, no, no. He, he never, he, he he never found murder, her. Yeah. He murdered but he murdered, like, people seven people and <laughs> yeah. prostitutes. And like, and, like, didn't he fucking grind them up and goddamn feed them to people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like on some Sweeney Todd shit, I believe I yeah. said. Mm-hmm. Like, it, d- more than that? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. Because that was just serendipitous. This one actually kind of feeds the urban legend got fed by the story, but the urban legend already existed. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so before we get all the way into it. So if this was like do... an episode of a TV show, it'd be like a like a copycat murder mystery one. Uh, almost. But it's it's not it's not a copycat situation. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the urban legend became real. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but All before right. we before we jump headfirst into it, I have to shout out my girlfriend because she can hear me because she helped me with the entirety of this script last night. We, I I briefly lost my mind working on this script because there were weird parts that like didn't add up, and we had to go back and like research things twice. She helped me with all of the research. She helped me with eighty percent of the script. Um, She's also amazing. She does all of our great logo art. Our art is pretty dope. Yeah. I love it. So for those who didn't read the title and just randomly clicked, uh, Josh is building. Shout out to y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same shit. Like, we, there's not enough of us. Like, for real, I do be, I hit shuffle sometimes on a podcast. Yeah. We are talking about the urban legend of Cropsy. Um, and Josh is, is all about it because Josh took the reins on this one. I did. Yeah. Question, so if, what the fuck is a Clopsy? Cropsy. Cropsy. That's the name of a person. If, if our is script a furry, is bad, don't don't come for don't come for Don. This, this I don't know if a, if there is a furry named Clopsy, but if There's there if there isn't, certainly. there gotta be. You know, be a unicorn. Have that's like a, a rule. It's, yeah, that's it's, what I'm thinking. It's rule 34. That's what yeah. I'm, it's, it's like, like rule rule 34 B. Yeah. If if there is an animal pun, then there's a furry named that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, Staten Island, New York exists as a far cry to the hustle and bustle of Manhattan just across the water. It was largely unpopulated and heavily wooded until the building of the Verrazano Bridge in 1964. On just the first day of the bridge's opening, over 12,000 people claimed land and moved to the island. By ni- so it was 
was even unpopulated that late in the it's, it's not that it was unpopulated. Clom C is a goddamn seizure drug. Oh, okay then. So Great. that's you know, it's not. not as fun. It's not that it was unpopulated. It's compared to Manhattan. Because I know that um, future episode subject Albert Fish um, said that he had farmland. There was a lot of farmland. On yes, it, it was. It was mostly farmland. It was a lot of dense mm. woods. Um, it was. People thought of it as like an old mob dumping ground because gotcha. there just there wasn't much over there. It was a lot of farms. There was you know, people were not few and far between, but the the people that were there, they were like kind of they were in their little neighborhoods and towns, and they didn't really didn't really leave their area. It was people referred so to Central Florida, kind of sort of. I left yeah. Central Florida. Hmm? I left Central Florida. Not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Find me someone from Ocala that went anywhere else. Find me anybody in Central Florida who's not there on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> my dad and my brother. But yeah, when when compared to Manhattan, which That's is two. <laughs> li- literally just on the other side of a bridge. Yeah. It's it was very it, We're it was, about Staten Island right now. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, what yeah. they would call rural. Gotcha. There was a huge garbage dump. There was a lot of farmland. Oh, and even there to were... this day, Staten Island is like an isolated part of New York. Like yeah. people do yeah, not they like have to like travel like their to own and from culture. It. Yeah. It's yeah, which is crazy thing. to me because it takes like twenty five minutes or something. And it takes me twenty five minutes to leave my state. Right. <laughs> like and I live on the goddamn edge. Yeah, ah, probably that's because of traffic. New York sucks. Well, now all I know about Staten Island is this where the, the impractical jokers come from. But, anyways, by 1970, only six years later, the island's population would reach over a quarter of a million people. It it surged like a hundred thousand people yeah. in over the course of those six years. Still, the island maintained a smaller, close knit community compared to the more densely populated boroughs of New York. Many non-residents would only know Staten Island as the home of the world's largest garbage dump, uh, supposedly able to be seen from space. Through the middle of the island, there is an old strip of forest known as the Greenbelt. I think that's its own little mini urban legend about it being able to be seen from space. That's what I was going to say. Depending on what you consider space, almost anything can be seen from space. Yeah, true. Um, (laughs) Also, with human eyes or a camera? Because that's different. Yeah. On the edges of the heavily wooded area, one can find an old Boy Scout, Boy Scout camp and the ruins of a former, tu- oh my God, rumors of a former tuberculosis ward called the Seaview Hospital. The existence of this hospital is a prelude to an urban legend that existed to frighten children for generations. That is until 1950, when the Seaview closed its doors for good and a more sinister door opened. That was one of the things that like dr- drove me insane when we were trying to work on this is the sea view and um is this a hotel no willowbrook hospital Hospital. yeah well hospital like like the one we talked about last week yes exactly like the one it wasn't an insane asylum was it It was a tuberculosis willowbrook state school okay is it's everything we talked about last week and it's not super worth you know, going into for the sake of this story you know we we did all we needed to do about that last week and it was horrific but um, again, they're still bad. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this was especially bad. Willowbrook did not close until 1987. 
and it was a fucking it's it's now a college it's it's staten island college yeah whoa yeah Mm mm-hmm while many children today fear a vague monster that lurks in the woods, under their bed, or in an abandoned house down the road, Staten Island's boogeyman had a name. That was Cropsy. Cropsy was said to lurk in the woods and within the tunnel system that lies underneath the abandoned ruins of the Seaview Hospital. Uh-oh. And that kind of shifts, like, we don't really address it too much, um, but <clears throat> a little bit later on. I don't um, like it when the story could is already like yeah. a homeless man is killing people. Right. That that's basically what the story is. Yeah. There's even um an urban legend historian basically that was featured in the Cropsey documentary, which gets a couple mentions here. Um he talks about how Cropsey became kind of the generic term for uh, a mentally unstable homeless man who lived in the woods and snatched kids. So wild. It's cro- Cropsey is fucking God damn it, man. A lot of times... England gets a, goddamn Banksy. We get Cropsy. <laughs> a lot of times it's less of a proper noun and more of just a noun. Like a derogatory, yeah. that's a Cropsy. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And I would be willing to bet my fucking nuts on it that, that <laughs> a goddamn Cropsy is actually just a mentally unstable homeless man to some New Yorkers. So Steve Hospital... Uh, had been left exactly as it was since it discharged its last patient in 1950. It is from this hospital that the early versions of the legend spawned. Cropsey was described differently depending on where you heard the story. Sometimes he had a hook for a hand. Sometimes he wielded a knife or he carried a large bloody axe. He was also said to be part of, or even the leader of the ever-present satanic cult, yeah. Which used the old hospital grounds as their base of operation. We God hit, damn we it. Hit old all... hospitals and churches. That's like literally every... Is there a ghost in this story? <laughs> we damn hit it. all the hallmarks We almost here. got a bingo, guys. Yeah. Almost, yeah. <laughs> if you're filling out your urban legend bingo <laughs> cards. Uh, wait. Also child abduction. So there's that. Yeah. So yep. that's the bingo. Yep. That's the very sad bingo. Yep. You know, I get the thinking. <laughs> instead of trigger warnings... I thought of a fun way that we could do it since... Oh? Yeah. A fun way to do trigger warning. Uh Uh-huh. Great. (laughs) I'm super into this. No, because I got to thinking, and I know this is a tangent, but who gives a fuck? I'm allowed one. This is your podcast, Don. So (laughs) what we can do instead of saying trigger warnings, because uh, alcohol played such a massive part in um, Tansler. Yeah. That we say, instead of saying trigger warning, we can say that this drink has a... or this. This pod, this episode has a two drink minimum, or this episode oh, has a three drink. That's minimum. good, actually. That's pretty I solid. Was, yeah. When you said fun, I was a little worried, but that <laughs> is, then, I like that. When you get something like Albert Fish, I was going to say, what's Albert Fish? Albert Fish is a 1940s film noir detective level of alcohol. No oh, way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm. I'm gonna need some Jack then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, back you, to the you story. Can keep going. Lots My shorts are here. Okay. This man been looking at his phone for like an hour and a half waiting on these shorts. Mm-hmm. So as with many urban legends of this sort, uh, stories of Cropsey were often used by parents to keep their kids from attempting to explore the grounds of the abandoned hospital. There's the boogeyman aspect. Yep. Or from going too far off the beaten path and getting hurt or lost. Mm-hmm. They would also be used as something of a threat, ensuring that children are home before dark, lest they be caught by Cropsey and dragged into the woods never to be seen again. 
This urban legend became a frightening reality in the late 1980s, right next door to the Seaview itself at the Willowbrook State School when the body of a 12-year-old girl was discovered near the abandoned, an abandoned campsite, a campsite belonging to Cropsey. This is not good. <laughs> the discovery blew open multiple cold cases spanning a total of 15 years linked to the terrifying legend of Cropsey. Whoa. This motherfucker is actually going to change it. Right I don't give a shit. I wasn't fucking lying. <laughs> God, we did theater together. <sighs> yeah, I was never comfortable with that part of theater. Oh, if you're actually not comfortable no, with okay. that, I will. I'm, okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, the man got boxes on his phone. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, He's not just slanging dick all over the place. <laughs> That's you. Not until Yeah, later. obviously. That's my job, Don. <laughs> now, the first of the... No- I don't. I've actually got on shorts and pants. <laughs> The first of the notable disappearances happened on July 7th, 1972, when a five-year-old girl named Alice Perenia, her per- Perenia? That's sexy. That's just good. Those aren't shorts. Yeah, they are, They're Don. They're like Caprice. That's true. They're like the Japanese harem shorts. Yeah, that's exactly what they They got a crane on them. They look fucking hot. Okay. They look so comfy, though. So oh my god! Oh my god! You yeah, this is great. I will. So yeah, the five-year-old girl's name was Alice Pereira, I guess. Per- Pereira, Pereira, I think is how you. I heard it. Uh, went yeah. missing from near her apartment building in the 600 block of Tyson's Lane in Staten Island. I just want you to know if any if you end up on my podcast as the person who abducted or hurt a child, if 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 I if I could I would manifest? I just want you to know I would manifest SCP Pete as an avenging <laughs> spirit for real. Like I would fully put my belief into magic so I could make him kill you. It's always extra dangerous when Ruben uses SCP Pete as a threat. Yeah, uh, she had been playing in the lobby with her brother when she was left alone for only a brief moment at approximately three thirty p.m. Almost three hours later, at 6.15, her mother reported her missing. At least one witness claimed to have seen Alice in a park nearby the apartments later, but this was never confirmed. Authorities initially believed that she may have been taken by her father, who lived in Manhattan, but he was later fully cleared as a suspect. The only other suspect of note was a man by the name of Andre Rand, a known child sex offender who was, God damn it. Who was working as a painter in her building at the time of her disappearance. However, there was never enough evidence to bring him to trial. Alice was never seen again, and nobody has ever been recovered. Yeah, unfortunately, you're going to hear that last line quite a handful of times. Uh, Nobody was ever recovered. I don't know if I feel good about that or not. You know? Like, you know? They're still still searching for these kids. Like... why? How could you stop? 50, 50 years later, how could the, you stop? The families are still actively searching how the Willowbrook could, State School grounds. How fucking? How could you stop? Like for real? How? Exactly. <laughs> On July fifteenth, nineteen eighty-one, nine years after the disappearance of Alice Pereira. 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 Sorry, guys. I could also be wrong. I may be being insensitive to somebody's culture, but I think it's Pereira. Pereira. Uh, A seven-year-old girl by the name of Holly Ann Hughes would also go missing in Staten Island. An eyewitness reported that she had seen Holly purchasing a bar of soap at the Port Richmond Deli. 
That's wild. <laughs> I forgot that this is like in the 50s or something. No, it's 80s. 80s. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, it's Staten Island. It was always kind of a little bit behind the times. I get it you. Was, yeah. They... I mean, New York's got bodegas and shit. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, New York is just a totally different world than it we live in. It literally is, yes. And then Staten Island is its own little section New of York that New York is world literally too. what would happen if London became America. I, I see what you mean. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it is literally New York way back. Right. And like, it's, it's a New England society. It, that's where they are, yeah. and fucking, it's a metropolis in the American style, but with people who still have that New England sort of lifestyle, which is closer to British than you might think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, the same eyewitness also claimed to have seen a green Volkswagen following Holly down the road. Remember around, that. Yeah. Around a month. Fuck. After, <laughs> around a month after Holly had gone missing, a man only calling himself Sal. Which is the most that's New bad. York, that's the yeah. Most it's New York name. it's just a, the that's the John yeah. of New York. My name's Sal. Sorry, that's the Peter of yeah. the Midwest. Peter, Peter Griffin. Peter. <laughs> uh, so Sal contacted Holly's mother, claiming that he was holding Holly captive. No. And would only return her on the condition that she met him and performed sexual acts on camera with him. What? Yeah. Yeah. You're not leaving a whole lot of room for jokes in this one, huh? (laughs) He wrote it. I I did write this one, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm looking at you. Okay. (laughs) Holly's mother and the police arrived to meet Sal, but he never showed. Holly's family has severely criticized the police department for botching her case accusing them of disregarding eyewitness statements due to the alleged criminal backgrounds of the witnesses themselves. They did, too. Like, they talked about that a lot in the documentary. Who the fuck else is going to know where a criminal is? Right. And also... Like, if I want to know where drugs are, I ask the motherfucker who's high. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is, like, you're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody in New York in the 80s who's not on cocaine, smoking weed, or an alcoholic. And that was their big thing was, you know, they you'd be hard pressed to find that now. Uh Right. Exactly. Fucking where I live. Well, the only difference between that and now is that now there's a lot of people walking around New York singing Hamilton songs all the time. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That Um, is fair. (laughs) But yeah, they they talk about it in the documentary that they wanted to just completely disregard these people because they they were alcoholics and stuff and it's like oh yeah they've been alcoholics their whole lives and now suddenly they remember something about this I'm like yeah it's <laughs> yeah, traumatic but... it rocked their fucking neighborhood holly's father author 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 yeah but holly's father also received a large number of phone calls making false reports that they had found holly which also hindered the case she's getting them like two three times a month yeah. This is crazy in. to me. Yeah, and for, for years. What? It's yep. always been that way. That's just harassment. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's There's people who will actually confess to, to, to doing listen, something for attention. Listener, if you are a teenager and you have had the idea that that is a thing that you should do, or yeah, if you're an adult one. who has the idea that that is a thing that you should do, don't listen to me. Like at all, ever. I don't want your fucking numbers. Unless you're growing weed for us. 
No. <laughs> Even the especially then. <laughs> Shout out to Plant Babies. Shout out to Plant Babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where the hell are we? Uh, there were no major suspects for Holly's disappearance at the time. But it is worth noting that Andre Rand's aunt lived on the second floor of the same building as Holly's family, connecting him loosely to this missing child case as well. But we'll come back. God to that. damn it! You actually this put sounds- a I put smile a smiley face. face in the script for you, you yes. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> on August thirteenth, nineteen eighty-three, a ten-year-old girl by the name of Taise. Uh, I know what we're talking about, and it hits me every fucking time. (laughs) I even left you the pronunciations in the script. Right. Okay, so Thais. Thais. Taiwana Jackson. Nice. So sorry. Uh, Better (laughs) known to her family and friends as Ty, you could have just put Ty Jackson in. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, 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 no. She was last. When seen- it comes to victims, if if I have access to their full names, I will give their full names because they deserve to be heard. One hundred percent. Especially because I, I meant to mention sources at the beginning of this. I got a lot of the information that I have on these missing kids from um, the Charlie Project, which is uh, a website uh, organization that catalogs all of the publicly available details. Um, associated with missing children. And I, it might just be missing people in general, but obviously I was looking at a bunch of missing children for this research. But that must have been fucking rough, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I, had to, I had to read a lot of stuff I didn't want to read. But um, it's not stuff that I'm not desensitized to already. Welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the Charlie Project was really big for me. Welcome uh, to my in nightmare. Research. Subsequently, is the actually sixth Ghost Stroke album, that's which Alice is actually Cooper album. Is it really? Oh yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, that's God Alice Cooper. damn it. Sorry. Well, never mind. He beat you on that one. Damn it. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, they that's not they were be uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> he Chuck- actually has an album called Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. So I mean, well. <laughs> If, that, that's if Ronnie, also a Ghost Strokes album, actually. Yes. If Alice fucking Cooper Ronnie goes James Dio didn't name a song or an album, it, uh, I probably don't. I'm not going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we had Chainsaw Guts Fuck last week, so I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Charlie Project that. was absolutely huge in research for this, and they are also. You know, I, there's I, I couldn't find anywhere else that cataloged information as uh, efficiently as they did about these missing kids. And it was dot com or dot org. Um, good question. Google the Charlie Project. The Overlord. Yeah, it's it's E Y Charlie. Okay. So Thais Tawana Jackson went missing. Um, she was last seen by her older brother at the Concadoro Welfare Hotel. Um now renamed Mariner's Harbor Hotel. It is .org. Okay. I could have also just put Mariner's Harbor Hotel, but I wanted to hear you try and pronounce Conca de Oro. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I, I handed you the pronunciation for Thais. I had to bully you, too. Yeah. So Conca de Oro, where, blah, 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 <laughs> where they shared... friendship between males. Right? <laughs> where they shared one room with their mother and two other siblings. Her brother claimed that he last saw her speaking to, with an adult man matching the description of, again... Andre Rand. Hey, arrest that motherfucker. <laughs> he had, he had already like he he was a registered sex offender. Fucking that's what point. I'm saying. Right. He like the first time arrest him. The second time 
put his ass in jail. The third time, fucking what are you doing? <laughs> Not your goddamn job. That's for fucking sure. They, they had nothing to connect him well enough to uh, take him to trial for any of these. Hold him. You that's for seventy two hours. That's all. I I think he, that give you time to look into it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm uh, just I'm I'm I went very no, I southern and black just now. I got <laughs> angry. I, I got mad. Um, and as before, she was never seen again, and nobody has since been recovered. Motherfuckers. In the I'm er- blaming <clears throat> the cops on this. This is them now. In the early 1980s, 22 year old. Even if it wasn't him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is three now. It's it's super sus, even With, if it's not. And it's if, if it's not him, it's a motherfucker that looks like him. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So in the early 1980s, 22-year-old Henry Hank Gaforio can be seen in the background of an interview with Holly Ann Hughes' mother during a news report about her disappearance. A couple of years later, Hank would also go missing. Wait a second. Yes. Say that again. The whole thing? Yeah. In early 1980s, in the early 1980s, 22-year-old Henry Hank Gaforio can be seen in the background of an interview with Holly Ann Hughes' mother during a news report about her disappearance. A oh. couple of years later, Hank would also go missing on June 9th, 1984. Yes. Like, S-tier coincidence type shit. Like, you, he's literally right behind her. In, there's There's footage of it. He's standing like not with her, but like behind her. Yeah, literally right behind her. Like what? not like not even two three feet behind her what? when she was doing this news and interview. He was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. When, when so he, this was not even connected. Well, we're gonna get to that. In right. A what? But yeah, and then oh no, he, he also goes missing. Um, just so it's like two or three years. I don't have an exact date on that. Uh, News interview that she did. I don't. Yeah. It turns out I really don't like hearing about people going missing. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's know. no, there's no closure. There's no yeah. closure. Yeah. Um. So that's he, fucking wild. Now, hearing this, one may wonder how a 22 year old man would fit into Cropsey's mo. That's what I was just thinking. Mm-hmm. Being significantly older, as well as well as a male, is it because he was connected to the mom somehow? Mm-hmm. Hank's family described him as having a mental capacity of a 15-year-old. Ah, shit. Hank yep. had gone out drinking and was refused service at a local bar called Mugs Away. From there, he made his way to another bar called Spa Lounge, where he was reportedly seen by multiple eyewitnesses chatting with none other than Andre Ryan. God damn it. And so aside from... That's, that's enough... Okay. I don't know about the 80s, but now that's enough coincidental whatever the fuck it's called circumstance circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. that connects you to three motherfucking people mm-hmm. with at least well, no four people now with, with at least one of them being co- confirmed and um corroborated by other people right that's more than what they had for the west memphis three and they put them that's away what i'm yes. pres- right Life. so arrest him right um it's Worth mentioning now, I didn't necessarily want to put it like right in all of their um in all of their dedicated sections about their disappearances, but one of the other things that pretty much all of these kids had in common is that they had either some sort of mental disability. God damn it. I knew you were gonna say that. Yep. Or they appeared like they might have. So fuck man. Like, 
Thais had no mental disability, but she had a, a really lazy eye. She was adorable, too. Right. Um, Don't say that in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Cat, oh man, cat couldn't get over it. She was like, "She's so cute." Fuck. The only one I remember ever because I've I've seen the the documentary. That doesn't really make it worse, but it does make me feel worse. Right? Yeah. No, it it does, dude. I had to look at pictures of all. of Fuck, kids, man. man. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, uh, Hank Hank looked like Mick Jagger. Even one of the one of the dudes in the documentary said it. Um. Yeah, it, it, it got like, really real. <laughs> like, if you don't think, if you, if, okay, if you don't think that people specifically target people with mental health issues, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Well, that's because the main impetus for most serial killers or anything is power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, that's what I'm saying. That's a m- much crime. Many yeah. crime is that. Yeah. <laughs> Love the sentence structure. That's great. <laughs> but I, it's, I'm furious. <laughs> right. Also, a lot of these these murderers, they're they're cowards. Yeah. They're yes. they're massive cowards, and they will take whoever they perceive to be the easiest victim. Right. That's why most serial killers kill women. And that's why you see a lot of prostitutes, yeah. and because they know that the media isn't going to cover the death of another prostitute because uh, quote unquote polite society doesn't care about the death of prostitutes. And (laughs) then I'll be impolite every fucking day. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that's, that's not something that we see here. All of these are still, they were still for the most part treated well in in the communities uh, they got a lot of attention in their communities and i mean like i said there's for the bodies that haven't been recovered or god willing they're still alive out there somewhere with amnesia or something um that the families still search the area oh yeah i'm sure they never gave up no again how the fuck could you right it rocked their entire world yeah. from uh, the, these span 15 years. Yeah. These disappearances. I mean, look what, who is it? Um, John Walsh, Adam Walsh's dad. He was the kid that was, went missing here in Florida and he went on to, the John Walsh went on to create America's most wanted. And has been Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that guy, Adam Walsh, the little um, boy who was killed. So, one yeah, of, I mean, I believe Holly's brother ended up becoming um, a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Hank. Uh, Good. Maybe he does his goddamn job. It's it's relevant later. So, Hank stayed until closing time. Let's hope time. I'm still on his side when it does <laughs> become relevant. So, Hank stayed around closing time, uh, stayed until closing time around 3 or 4 a.m., and this was the last time he was ever seen. Listen, y'all, for real. Uh, if you are going to go out drinking, that's great. You're, a, you know, and you're legally able to do so. You do what the fuck you want to do. But listen, my main philosophy in life is safety first. Yes. Bring a goddamn friend. If you don't yeah. have a friend, don't stay until closing time. That's uh, yeah, when abductions happen. Gonna say, especially like if you're going to, you know, close down the bar. Like right. if you're if you're going and you're planning on being there until lights on. Then I don't, don't care be alone. if you're the biggest, meanest dude. If you're gonna be fucking sloshed at closing time, bring a friend. Yeah, 
In an interview for the 2009 documentary simply titled Cropsy, a local resident named Thomas Jenkins claims that it was that when he was six or seven years old, he and a group of friends were playing at the YMCA near his home when they were approached by Andre Rand in a bus. He asked the group of kids if they wanted to go on a field trip, and they agreed and boarded the bus. So the rest of these stories have been in chronological order of their disappearances. This one we don't have a hard date on. Um, this wasn't even public information until the documentary crew for Cropsy, which they were they were fucking great. Yeah. They they really dug deep because the two documentarians that made the film, they they grew up hearing stories of Cropsy. Mm-hmm. They they grew up in Staten Island. They they were immersed in this from when they were young. Um like mist hanging in Okay. <laughs> it's just I was like for those of you who were, aren't able to see what's happening in the room, Don just did a thing that I've only ever seen people who are stoned out of their goddamn minds do, which is reach out very slowly into the air and try to grab what apparently was mist. Oh, you do that on acid a lot just because there's no, like a trail behind his, um, vape. There's so, no circulating air going on right now, so I could just see it hanging in the air. Yeah. And it was bugging me. Um, but yeah, this this story about Thomas Jenkins, um, this wasn't really public information until after they got this interview for the documentary. I want to finish. Oh, yeah, that's I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good information. But I need to know what happened to these kids. Okay. Rand <laughs> promised to take them to the park, but before Thomas knew it, they were at New York Newark Airport. No. They wandered around there until the sun set, and he took the children to Willowbrook Park. On the grounds of Willowbrook St- on the grounds of Willowbrook State School. He and the children played hide and seek until what Thomas can only describe as a moment of clarity, Rand decided to drop the children back off at the YMCA. And the way that what? uh yeah, the way that Thomas Jen- Jenkins describes it is he said he thinks that Rand had this moment where he was like this is this is too big. This is this is too many at one time. Uh I I have overstepped. I need to play this slower and he just took him back. I see. Yeah. So, um the story while unconfirmed is worth mentioning. As the Ooh, children, that's were... bad. The phrase "his eyes were too big for his stomach" just popped into my head. <laughs> so it's worth mentioning. Uh, as the children were taken to a park right next to one of Rand's many campsites in the woods around the Willowbrook State School grounds, fucking he. Uh, so Rand was homeless. He worked as a janitor at the Willowbrook State School, Fred which, Kruger. yeah, basically, yeah. what. Uh, type of school was this it the bad kind yeah it was oh, for no. mentally challenged children yeah oh no it, it this place was this place was Geraldo's big break there you go what the fuck is a Geraldo 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 Rivera, Rivera? oh Geraldo you, Rivera was the dude like, with the mustache yeah it was a real big like in the 80s you'll fucking was, uh, recognize him he did a lot of he had his own t- talk show but he did a lot of specials like exposing Satan's underground and uh, al- opening Al Capone's vault. And he's a news reporter. He's He was known. He was kind of a tabloid type news reporter. 
Yeah, you recognize this man. I recognize his old version. Okay. Oh, he's a Fox News one. Now, yeah. I see. Now. One of his big things was also during his talk show he did. Yeah, a, you could have named 16 other people and it would have been a Fox News one now. <laughs> True. But one of his big moments he, during his talk show, he had the Klan on. Fucking what? Yeah, it was not, you know, not like, here's the Klan. Yay! It was like, here's the Klan. What the fuck? But a fight broke out because he also had black people on the show to kind of like yell at the clan. God damn it. And so he middle, did a Jerry Springer. Yeah. Yeah. He was Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer. Yeah. But in the middle of the fight, someone picked up a chair and threw it and it caught him in the face and broke his nose. That's why he looks different. now. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this brings us back to the case that finally blew it all open. The disappearance of 12 year old Jennifer Lynn Schweiger uh, on July 9th, 1987. Jennifer, who had Down syndrome, became antsy while her mother was doing housework one hot summer afternoon. God damn it. She was frequently allowed to walk within a three-block radius of the house unsupervised, as all of the neighbors knew her well. She asked her mother if she could go on a walk while she cleaned, and she was given permission. When she did not return within the usual amount of time, she was quickly reported missing, which kicked off a 35-day search. She was reportedly last seen walking next to a homeless man on a bicycle who matched the description of, do I even need to say it? On August 5th, Andre... I mean, no. (laughs) But you're about to, I bet. Well, on August 5th, Andre Rand was finally arrested in connection with the case. Rand denied any involvement with the missing girl. A little over a week later, on August 14th, 1987, a close family friend involved with the search found a suspicious mound of clay on the grounds of Willowbrook. And We're, so so that family friend yeah. is the main one that uh, still, at least at the time that they did the documentary, still regularly led search parties out to look for other kids, other graves okay. in the woods around Willowbrook. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I think you need to say another thing oh, before okay. I can say this part. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it was on the grounds of, Will- of Willowbrook where Rand-, Rand worked as a janitor. This is awful. Yeah. The clay appeared to have been rolled intentionally. To- Cover the plant baby's ears. Intentionally <laughs> 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 uh, rolled over to cover something under the dirt. Yeah, they they said they described it as like clay balls. They said that the clay had looked like it had been like rolled into balls and packed down over. Okay. Yeah, I, I it was a weird description to me too, but it, it seemed they were really adamant about the Is fact this that it was rolled into clay balls. Dismembered body one? No. Okay. Uh, when the dirt and clay were removed, they made the incredibly unfortunate discovery of a small girl's toes sticking out of the shallow grave. The search party was quickly escorted away from the scene by police, and the body was positively identified as that of 12-year-old Jennifer Lynn Schweiger. The shallow grave was later discovered to be only about 150 feet away from one of Rand's known campsites. Get out. Neighborhood children had often seen him sitting there at night and referred to it as one of Cropsey's campsites. Yeah, it was... Like hearing that just reminded me so much of like being a kid and making up urban legends from around my town. Yeah. Because, you know, they saw this creepy the witch that lives in that house. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I I had I lived in a couple different towns. 
there was one of those in both towns. Yeah. But, you know, the kids would be walking by at night and see, like, off in the woods through the trees, you know, you can see there's a guy sitting by a campfire out there. That's Cropsy. That's yeah. one of his campsites. He's always around here. It, it just fucked. Yeah. And they just were right. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. Listen to me right now, parents. <laughs> If your child is saying that they see the urban legend and the urban legend is just that a homeless man is stealing kids and there has been even one fucking disappearance in that neighborhood ever in the amount of time that a human being, an adult one, can be around, listen to your child. Yeah. There's a million red flags which like, everyone ignores throughout this story. Right. I understand kids make shit up, but like they make shit up based on what you tell them. So if they're saying the keyword cropsy, the one that I'm told means homeless man steals kid. Yes. Fucking listen. That's exactly what cropsy is to the kids. Yeah. Now, this particular campsite was also was his most frequently used, uh, along with rumors that he also lived in Especially the... Especially when you know a motherfucker is living over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, along with rumors that he also lived in the tunnels underneath the then-recently-closed Willowbrook State School. And police, do your goddamn jobs. Investigate that guy. Put somebody on him. You're overstaffed anyway. <laughs> it's true. Um, there was evidence, too, to suggest that there were people at least regularly hanging out in those abandoned tunnels. Yeah. Um, like, you know, food items and stuff in there. I think there was there was even a couple where they found, like, where somebody looked like they had been cooking down R- there. Find out. That's even just in the modern day. Yes. That's r- find out. Yeah. So the trial And if you hang out in sewers and shit, I understand that you might not have anywhere else to go, but accept that somebody might fucking find out. Okay? Like that's society has to work somehow and until we can get y'all in houses, we're working on it. I promise. We're trying. Voting is doing a limited amount of help and other people who are better at talking than me are working on that. But like accept that that's if you're in a neighborhood with kids in it, they they you get with safety fucking first. When are you going to run for office, Ruben? Um, when I'm never, because <laughs> I don't want that stress. <laughs> so the trial of Andre Rand was pretty straightforward and clear cut. Now, while cameras are not allowed inside courtrooms in New York State, it which is, is un- weird. Yeah, I might that, do public speaking. Almost like never. Yeah, right. Office. He'd be a good motivational speaker. I'd be all right. I think. It'd be okay. You'd be a kick-ass motivational speaker. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know until he gets pissed and tells someone to gargle his nutsack. See, no, because uh, like getting really emotional on stage as a motivational speaker. That's pretty uh, good, actually. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. The more passionate you talk, are, the but better. Like a like a TEDx. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's understood that he was found guilty of kidnapping in the first degree as a result of overwhelming circumstantial evidence and eyewitness testimony. Which, yeah, we... This should have happened fucking three people ago. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, it's again, it's really weird that they don't allow cameras in courtrooms in New York. I believe that's still the case today. And most other states do that. So that's why, like in Florida, you know, everybody watched the entire Casey Anthony trial. We all saw the OJ trial. God fucking knows everybody saw the goddamn OJ trial. I actually still haven't watched the OJ trial, but mostly now it's to just be a cheeky little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, ain't Ruben a stinker? I'm a stinker. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the police insisted that the local reverend by the name of Charles Musket house Rand prior to his initial arrest in order to get a confession out of him. Ruben likes that name. What what was it? I'm sorry. Uh, the police insisted that a local reverend by the name of Charles Musket house Rand prior to his initial arrest in order to get a confession out of him. Charles Musket is good. Uh, yeah, you made you made a face the first time, and I guess you didn't even hear it. It was just register. a subconscious, like, physical reaction that you have to good names. It does happen. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The police allegedly bugged and set up hidden cameras inside the home and the room where Rand stayed. Now, Musket alleged that the room... Musket alleged that Rand told him that he took Jennifer... Because her family could not want or love her. What? And that he was oh, that he okay. was doing them a favor by getting rid of her for them. Ex- Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not yeah, yeah. Call the cops. <laughs> well, <laughs> you so know what? That's the thing is that according to him, he has an interview in the documentary that I'm basing this on. Uh, the sheriff or whoever kind of showed up and insisted that he house Rand there. Uh, because they were they were trying to get a confession out of him before the arrest, and I I guess it worked, but it, we're gonna get into it here in a second. But oh, so this happened after they already fucking got him? Or no, 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 this was it, they okay. were they were still preparing I see, a, yeah. to get him. I see. This was so this part is after of, Jennifer had already gotten abducted. He and was killed. a person of interest. And they were pretty interested in him. I see. Yeah. So they. So this. Did, set this. It up. So this guy did not hear this before this right. happened. Yes. Okay. Never mind, so, dog. I'm sorry. Um. Th- this is this is after Jennifer disappeared, but before they found her body. Like this is one of the only times as a black person that I will ever say cooperate with the cops. <laughs> but he catches a. If they're doing their job time. here cooperate yeah he catches a shit ton of flack for this though because he can't you know just go around telling people like oh yeah i didn't want him to stay here the police made me keep him here so they get a confession out of him obviously he can't say that while he's housing the guy that they're trying to get a confession out of right because if it gets back to him he's not going to talk they're not going to get anything out of him yeah and then i for a long time that like they they moved they they tried to get away from all of it because it ruined their reputation in the community. And I guess they were like too scared to talk about how it was, how the whole situation worked for them. They just, they never, or people just didn't believe them. They didn't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, it, it slaughtered their reputation. Yeah, I get that. But Hey, listen guys, um, reputation is less important than catching a child killer. 100%. And I appreciate this person. That, what did you say his name was again? Charles Musket. Charles Musket. If you're How still you out forget? there, fucking, we appreciate what you did. <laughs> so that if we wish that you would, ha- we wish that somebody 20 years before you had been, had been the one. Yeah. But we appreciate you. So that information was never proven or brought up in court to the knowledge of the public. I could not find 
especially because there were no cameras. I couldn't find anything that hard confirmed that it was brought up in court or that it was uh, explicitly like a part of the case um, as far as the trial was concerned. So I don't really have a reason to believe either way that it was or wasn't. I would hope that it was, but I could not find anything that confirmed that it was. The family, I'm assuming you're talking about the Musket family. Yeah. Uh, received much negative attention, uh, including hate mail and even death threats for agreeing to house rand and were too scared to tell anyone that the police had essentially forced them into hosting a sting operation. Rand was subsequently charged with first degree kidnapping, though the jury could not reach a verdict on the murder charge. He was sentenced to 25 years to life in 1988. We, we couldn't reach a verdict. They couldn't reach a verdict because. Okay, hold on. I know that the law is more complicated than that, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, but it's... <laughs> I look at Don every time I'm talking to the audience, and I'm like, <laughs> sorry, sometimes, because I get mad. <laughs> um, they So they couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. As long as there, there was no physical yeah, evidence. I figured that might have been the case yeah, as soon as I said it. You know, DNA testing was still brand new. In in the 80s, I mean, I would like to believe that Staten Island had access to at least some extent of whatever yeah, the but again, DNA technology even to had this day, at the time. DNA has a, a certain cases have reasonable doubt, even with DNA. Right. And exactly. Like, if and you're, if, it was in if its a infancy. person is determined enough, they can pretty much beat all of the tests. Yeah. And like, I get that. It. I hate it. Mm hmm. I you know I so, wish crime was easier to catch, but I also kind of wish cops didn't exist. Right. So at least not in the form that they do now. Yep. Yeah. I've spoken about it before. We sure have, <laughs> at length. We um, all know that our views are complicated and nuanced on this issue. This is one of the stories that really kills me to think about because if yeah, we I, just had half of the DNA technology and yeah. the forensic equipment that we that have we access have to today and that is often not used properly even though there is access to it cops shouldn't exist <laughs> make them different right dismantle the system and build a new one it's beyond it's beyond just changing a few things here and there it can't be changed from the inside anymore um but it kills me to think about the fact that if we had just half of the technology that we In have fact, today, build a new system and then dismantle this one. Cause that'll be smoother. Right. Exactly. You know, Rand could have been caught way, 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 way earlier. Sooner. Yeah. It's, we would not, there's a word that means Andre Rand. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It does now, but that's what I was talking about with this, so perfectly paralleling the urban legend that had been told for years. God damn it. Oh, and it gets worse. Fuck. <laughs> so Rand was frequently shuffled around various New York prisons where he shared cell blocks with the likes of David Berkowitz and family fellow child murderer, Joel Steinberg. 
You put them in the same room? No, cell blocks. Yeah. Oh. So they're they're in the same area. They they maybe had lunch together. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. They were sitting at the same actually. picnic tables. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've I've been thinking about what a conversation between the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and Cropsey. What is what like. is where does the son of Sam come from? Son of Sam's a serial killer who said he got all of his commands from dogs. A a dog. A dog named his Sam. Name, yeah. Yeah, we'll do David Berkowitz. Yeah, we can day. do David Berkowitz. Yeah. That was like seven blinks there. Like, <laughs> yeah, his, his neighbor's dog. still to understand that this is an audio medium and not a visual <laughs> medium. No, I just, I have a physical reaction, and then I got to explain it to the audience because I'm a very visual. <laughs> like, you ever heard of somebody with the heart on their sleeve? Yeah. Yeah. My mom used to call me that because I'm not, uh, like, I used to not be very good at um, hiding the emotions that I'm feeling on my face. Because that's what that phrase means. Yeah. Um, but then I had depression. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's another one of those like weird turns of phrases that parents use that uh, turns out they actually just mean, oh, you look like you have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I now when I have, you know, good friends around me, I don't have to like mask as much. Yeah. So I have a lot of physical like big facial reactions so i have to describe them to you because otherwise this podcast would not be nearly as good <laughs> it's those eyebrows yeah it is the eyebrows they they tell everything sometimes the nose and ears so rand would have been eligible for parole in 2008 had he not been brought to trial once again in 2004 for the kidnapping of holly hughes what this uh, it's like 17 years later it says 23 what? here i think 23 20- 23 years after her disappearance. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. T- 23 years later, after he's already been in prison for almost long enough to be eligible for parole. Yeah. That Honestly, they bring him back in for this for this trial. They finally had... An, uh, it's really just eyewitness reports. Is Honestly, all that that's finally as close to justice back. as I think we're ever going to get for this. Which yes. is like, keep him there longer. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and this was this is where uh, Holly's brother, who became a police officer, comes back. Because as we've discussed, prison is not reformative; it is no. fully just punishment. Yes, yeah. that's why it's called a penitentiary. Yeah. yeah. Um, her America's really good at one thing. Right. Holly's brother, after becoming a police officer, and it's was absolutely horrifying. He was apparently instrumental in getting her case brought back up. Good. Um, so I am still on his side. Fuck yeah. I guess I like I don't I don't know how he is as a person, let alone as a cop. But if not for him, for this then, story, I'm okay with. Then with him. Andre Rand would either either if he's it's been, been a cop for more than about ten years. I don't fuck with you no more. But for this, hell yeah. By by now, Rand would be on the street again. Yeah. If if not for. Uh, him getting this case brought back up it sucks that this man is still probably alive as far as i know yeah andre rand yeah andre rand is still alive i hope Um, you hear this podcast in prison because i would i would fucking i don't even know what i would do to you dude i told some i told people in this podcast that i would stone them with their own bones (laughs) before and i don't know what's worse than that but i would do it to you oh he'll write you a letter good I won't read it, but good. I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll, I'll fuck your mom in front of you, dude. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and this mother thinks he can ha- motherfucker thinks he can handle Albert Fish. Uh, it's gonna get real bad when we do fish. <laughs> I need to look up some uh, 
existential punishments before we do that. <laughs> so the police searched his green Volkswagen, the same one seen, follow, seen following Holly to the deli. Does Albert fish kids? Yes. Yes. Damn it. Yeah, I told you the green Volkswagen would come back, yeah. too. Yeah, yep. you did. I uh, noted that. Along yep. with any previous residence he may have had in all of his known campsites. No physical evidence was ever discovered. Holly's family. Uh, by the way, podcast listener, earlier when I said, does Albert fish? And then there was a pause. And then I said, kids, that's not an edit. I just didn't want to say any of the words that could have gone there. Um, But no matter which word. Yeah, I were, know. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I fucking got it. <laughs> so. Um, Shit. Holly's, <laughs> Holly's family. Funny you should say that. Holly's family. Fuck! (laughs) We like to have fun here. (laughs) So Holly's Are we insensitive? (laughs) You know, maybe a little. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I there's I think it's a Don Rickles quote. Why do we laugh? Because we must. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, in fact, our podcast is pretty much that. Yeah. Yes. So Holly's family was forced to wait two long decades. No wonder finally... our fans have mental health issues just like us. <laughs> hey, uh, babies, we before, love you. <laughs> before finally receiving some sort of justice for the loss of their beloved daughter. When Hopefully Rand... you have a good therapist and you're on a good medication. Uh, when Rand was convicted of first degree kidnapping for a second time in October of that same year. Both times carried uh, 25 to life. Yeah. So Good. he was already in his 50s or 60s. Yeah, so oh he's God. got to be in his eight. Well, no, it's been 40 years. Do you know what? Years. How old was this man the first kidnapping? Um, oh, ish. God. I don't know. He was born in 44. The, first, the first kidnapping was in, was in 70s. The first kidnapping was in 70 something. Okay. Uh, Alice Pereira. Which, so he was like in his 30s, 30s. 20s or 30s? So he's 40s when he was caught. It's been 40 years since he's then. He's in his 80s now. Yeah. I know that he will be eligible for parole in uh, 2037. Okay. <laughs> he's not going to make it he to there. Make no. So, all right. Now, while staggeringly little oh, is that known, is a good. That's a little bit of a relief. Yeah. Staggering little is known about Andre Rand's past because he refuses to speak with almost anyone. Oh, uh, Good. But, Remain isolated forever, bitch. Yes. Because we're past we're past all the hard facts about um, the kidnappings and everything, and we've gotten to, we've gotten through Andre Rand's two separate kidnapping trials. We still don't have anything hard enough to connect him. No eyewitnesses. No overwhelming circumstantial evidence to connect him to any of the other. Uh, kidnappings doesn't matter he's in prison right i mean it does matter for the families right i want to say that 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 is important for like closure or at least any amount but like as i say often there is i don't know if i've said it on the podcast or not but there is no such thing as real closure in most of life right for almost anything a breakup your parents dying which will happen if you're lucky because if you're unlucky you go first like, it's it's these small tragedies happen, and there's often not closure for them, and that's hard. But what I mean is this. At least that motherfucker's getting punished for the rest of his goddamn life. Right. Um, and hopefully after that, if the cosmic justice system is better than ours. 
Right. And the disappearances that I listed here, that's not even all of them. There are at least two or three other kidnappings, alleged kidnappings, disappearances that uh, Rand is heavily suspected to have been part of. Um, Fucking Jesus Christ. I was I was focusing entirely on the ones that took place in Staten Island, but there were at least one that took place uh, in Manhattan, which is where Rand is originally from. I'm hot. I can go turn the AC. No, on. no, no. Like I'm no, like I... my body temperature is rising because I'm so angry. Right. Like and I can't contain. I'm so mad. So when I when I mentioned earlier that they're still you know searching around the woods out there, right. like they're still finding things that they believe something. I've heard that. Are you recording again? Mm-hmm. You can. Oh no, you're good. No, man. Um, so I was talking about how the, the family friend, uh, who was part of Jen's search party still searches around the grounds of Willowbrook and they're still, they're still looking for evidence. They're not just still looking for the bodies. They are still looking for evidence. And during one of the, the scenes in the documentary, they found, um, a trash bag out in the woods there, I guess, right near where one of Rand's campsites used to be. Um, and it had like. Let me see. Cat wrote it down for me. It had duct tape, a child's t-shirt, kids' shoes, and something else that is completely indecipherable that she wrote. The, the pin wasn't working. Shampoo. She was mad. Oh, shampoo. That's right. Yeah. Also had shampoo in the bag. That's fucking wild. Yeah, and they they're pretty sure that that was uh that that was Rand's that that was connected. Yeah. But yeah. So, so they, um, they are still, there is still a good chance that the incredibly dedicated family and friends of these people could still find hard evidence that could still provide closure to the other families. Even, yeah. even all this, you know, it's been 40, 50 years yeah. since pretty much all of these disappearances, yeah. I mean, but there, bone, there's still a chance, really decay. right? So there is still an incredibly solid you know, chance that, you know, Closure can still be out there for them. So while staggeringly little is known about Andre Rand's past because he refuses to speak with almost anyone, we do know that he was born on March 11th, 1944 in Manhattan as Frank Rushan, a Russian. I I saw it pronounced a lot of different ways. So he didn't even have, this wasn't even his real name. Yeah, no. So his father died. I couldn't find anything about why he changed it. Either actually, uh, yeah, I don't probably know. something to do with fucking this. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so his father died when he was fourteen, and his mother was later committed to Pilgrim State, a mental ward which shared an identical floor plan and architecture with Willowbrook State School, where Rand later worked. Fuck. Yes, identical. Yeah. What? Like, I like mean, I photocopy. I I get that part, but yeah. like that shit blows my mind. Like, you know he had to be there for that reason alone. Right. Like... I mean, he... Rand is also mentally unstable. I was just about to say, that's on some... That's on, like, some true, like, really bad mental health issues. Yes. I mean, can you... Can you even begin to imagine how drawn he would feel to that place? Especially when it's also a mental health Yes. Yes. Except Willowbrook was... 
for the horror show that it was specifically meant for children while um uh pilgrim state was uh just general it was it was for everybody it was it was an all ages yeah. place because of his mother's institutionalization it is believed that Rand held a particular disdain for people with mental disabilities and it is widely believed that Rand intended to cleanse the world of imperfect children as he often rambled quoting bible scriptures and claiming that disabled people did not deserve to live though he refused to speak with anyone on the advice of his legal counsel he has exchanged letters with at least two journalists. He has even invited them to come speak with him at prison, at the prison, only to then refuse the interview when they arrive. Which is totally playing mind games. It's such a That's typical... That's what I was going to say. Is like, I hope he writes me a letter and invites me, and then I say yes, and then never go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, Just I, to I, flip the fucking I, script no, on no. his serial killer Josh, ass bullshit. you're not going to believe me, but I thought it like a half a second before he said it. <laughs> I was... I was like, oh, I hope he fucking invites me because then I just won't go. And then you were like, and then he just refused the interview. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking yeah. Like, No, I can see Ruben actually send a letter saying, sorry, can't make it. I'm in Ohio looking at my plant babies. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> plant babies um, deserve more energy than this man for sure. <laughs> but I've got a section here where I wanted to read uh, one of his letters, but I could not find any transcripts of the letters. Yeah, and his handwriting is just... It's horrible. Yeah. The only the only versions of his letters that I could find were on that stupid fucking murder uh, auction site. Mur- murder auction site. God yeah. damn it! Yep. Yep. Exactly. Welcome yeah, so- back to our podcast <laughs> where we have to talk about the auction site for murder memorabilia. So unless I wanted to pay a hundred and fifty dollars to whoever the fuck would have gotten the money, if I I guarantee it's Zach Bagans, but that's beside the point. Fucking, fucking probably. God damn. It. There is a room in his. Um, museum that is completely dedicated to serial killers yeah he has john wayne gacy paintings he has fucking the the last hospital gown that charles manson wore the day he died he has a painting made out of blood of charles manson where the whites of manson's eyes are his fucking ashes he has ted bundy's kill kit and the frightening fucking thing is that of all the rooms at Zach Bagan's haunted museum, that was the fucking area that interested my son the most. The serial killer room? The serial killer room. You know why that is? Why? It's because it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's true real, horror. so it's more but interesting. But he like became really, really fascinated for a hot minute for, uh, with John Wayne Gacy. After my, oh, yeah, I was never, I'm, I've always so been an Ed Gein guy. After my accident, they I have actually. Ed Cauldron there. Oh, the cauldron that he boiled people in. Gross. They actually have his cauldron. You can walk and look at it. And it's in the same room as a man who had his skin turned into leather. Fun. They actually have his skin. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of different uh, Smurf accounts that I shit <coughs> on people in Overwatch with. Uh, one of them's just named Ed Gein. Yeah. And the other one is Ed Gein's belt. <laughs> um, after my accident, I got, I spent like four days doing nothing but watching Charles Manson interviews. Dude. Uh, I got they're fucking wild. I got they I got um very close to believing his ideology because I was in a vulnerable place. And because he speaks with such fervor. Oh yeah. Even That's how it happens. That's yep. It is literally how Hitler rose to power. The only reason I literally the only reason that I did not become a different person than I am now 
is because um, I started feeling like trapped in my house. So yeah. I forced my mom to make me learn how to drive again. Yeah. And um, when she heard about what I had been watching, <laughs> um, she was like, you don't get to be in your room alone anymore. <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds about right. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to have to do a, a series, whether it's on this show or something separate, on just cults. Yeah. Because I oh, have, yeah. of all the true crime. Also, shouts out to my friend Ethan, because um, after I tried to kill myself, this was years ago. Don't worry. I'm better now by a lot. Um, uh, he was... He took me to a fucking Halloween party the day I got out, and he's been my best friend ever since. Uh-huh. And he also, and that was around the similar time of vulnerability in my life that lasted for a while. But he was there Is it for Ethan, that. Ethan? Ethan, yeah. Oh. He will be on the show one day when yeah. we discuss Bigfoot. That's what we're waiting for. <laughs> that's that's his bread and butter is the Bigfoot. Although he got mad that we didn't invite him onto the Ouija board episode. Oh, man. Because <sighs> he was a big Ouija board person. Ethan's oh. invited on every episode, though. He could be. He just needs a mic. He needs a mic. Yeah. You fucker. If you're listening. Yeah. We don't talk politics. <clears throat> um, no, that's a, that brings up a good point of um, when you're in a vulnerable place the right kind of attention is critical is yeah. critical and it is even and more critical even, to avoid the wrong yes, kind it's of even and, like the yeah. right kind of attention it's like it can be adjacent to the right ty- kind of attention and be way better than the wrong kind yes right you did not need charles manson's attention i at super that point didn't in your life <laughs> i super didn't it almost changed me <laughs> you would have had a different opinion in the paul mccartney episode if you had been a manson follower yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? <laughs> Another thing that changed it was like the, the thing that made me want to drive again was when I read that there were still people like women who want to fuck him. Uh, like he got married con- a couple times. Yeah, he's right. Married. He's been yeah. married, what, twice mm-hmm. or maybe even three times or maybe there were three people. There I don't are remember. Descendants. But he's like got grandkids. Right. And that fucking is wild to me. Yeah. Because he had them kids after he went to prison for the Tate Oof. murders. Yeah. Those like, genes. That's what, like, what? Oh. Just to, ha- to have those genes. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. You've been all about pants today. I've, I thought you were I talking about blue jeans. All where the ab- fuck did that come from? Mm, denim. Mm, <laughs> sweet, sweet denim. Levi Strauss. Wrangler. <laughs> all right. So, um, uh, FUBU. He has also been known to send rambling and long-winded letters and get upset when they are not met with a quick response. One of the only times that you can hear his voice on a recording is a voicemail that he left one of the documentarians from Cropsey uh, where he was like, it's been about two weeks. You haven't replied to my letter. I just wanted to make sure you got it. Now, another widely circulated rumor is that Rand was a member of a religious cult with a strong satanic ties called the process. Motherfucker. Yes. Yeah. Turns out it's actually connected to a potentially satanic cult. Motherfucker. Yeah. For the first time ever on the show. I will say a third time. Motherfucker. (laughs) The church denied. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) I didn't even get bingo. God damn you. (laughs) The the church denied all association with Andre Rand. So it's a real satanic church. 
Okay. So yes. they they themselves are not a satanic church. They are a religious cult. They have strong ties to like uh, no, known satanists gotcha. in the area. Yeah. Gotcha. Known satanists. Um, well, I shit. People wear it on their sleeves. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Uh, That's just such a fun phrase because you wouldn't say known Christians in the area. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here on this show, I feel like I have to specify that they are known to actually be Satanists because Uh, anyone who's ever like jaywalked gets called a Satanist (laughs) when we're talking about urban legends. Only a Satanist. Well, you know why they're called Satanists. If if you jaywalk. Oh, because it, I can't it's wait. statistically proven that most people who jaywalk start on their left foot, so that's a left-hand path, which is satanic. Is is this that coming is straight out of your brain right now? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just pulled that straight out of my ass. Did you know, though, for real, jaywalking is a, um, that's a racial thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. If you didn't, listener, uh, you do now. That's, that's one of those things. It was things like a slur that... for Jewish people. Yeah. Yep. It's one of those things that I forget all the time, and, and then I like use cars... the term. Cars had just been invented, and um, they wanted to switch the onus on to the pedestrian to stay yep. off of the street. Uh, so they used, as we, hey, guess what? Every fucking time we want to do some shit like that, we do that. <laughs> That's why we call marijuana marijuana. It's just the fucking Spanish word for the plant. Right. Yep. Yep. Like, we do, every time we want to change some shit, we make it a racial thing. And then white people conform because they don't want to be considered a Jew. <laughs> It's you. It's a little bit of a tangent, but you brought it up about uh, cars taking over and then just changing it to where it's your fault for being in the road. Yeah, if little Timmy got hit, it's because he was a Jew. God damn it! Humanity should go back to being a, a pedestrian-based society. Guaranteed. I, I I think it would be. I don't know if we should go back to it, but we should definitely accommodate it. People would be healthier. Like. I, People in Japan have some of the best health, like, in the world. Yeah, you can walk down the main street. Yes, yeah. you you walk everywhere. Less than half of people in Japan own a car. <laughs> At all. I'd be the motherfucker to move to Japan and buy a car. It's because <laughs> their public transportation is so good. Honestly, and that's, though, I might just do public transportation for a while. Right. But I wouldn't move to Japan because they don't have American-sized, well, they don't have me-sized shit over there. <laughs> Even still. Um, but it's better for everyone if we just fucking walk. Say that to a New Yorker. So retired detective Frank Sayez was asked during an interview featured in the aforementioned Cropsy documentary. If he's been aforementioned a lot of times at this point, Um, (laughs) it was really good. If he believed that there were satanic cults in the area, which he confirmed he believed there were. He was then asked if children were used as sacrifices to which he replied, I'd rather not answer that. That's a yes. Which some with somewhat of a nervous chuckle. Yeah, it was really, really weird and really suspicious the way he responded to that question. Probably it, he knew something. He probably did it. He he also just had the most suspicious face you've ever seen on a man. I'd rather not see. <laughs> Are you sure it's the most suspicious? No, no. Andre Rand has the most yeah. suspicious face you've ever seen on a human so, being. So, all right, all right. Oh. This has oh. led conspiracy theorists to believe that Search Rand... his real name. <laughs> this Search is... Frank Russian. This has led conspiracy theorists to believe that Rand was abducting children to be used as sacrifices in the cult's rituals. 
There are also rumors that Rand did not commit these crimes alone and had assistance. I want to know how many it was actually, because like I bet it's way more than we know about. Well, yeah, whether from the cult or from other people living in the tunnels underneath Willowbrook. Because again, when you when you target people with mental health disabilities, nobody fucking cares. Kind of suspicious. <laughs> it's pretty suspicious. It yeah. looks fake. He looks fake to me. He look. He just looks like that old man from that Pixar short about chess. Oh. You know what I'm talking about. The guy with the chin. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know what he looks like? Is he looks like a dad who just woke up and is looking at a busted pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so there are also He's like wide eyes and all, like pursed lips. He's like, mm, I don't even know what I'm looking at here, but I guess I got to fix it. Like- <laughs> so there are also rumors, like I said, that Rand did not commit these crimes alone, that he also could have possibly had help from other people living in the tunnels underneath Willowbrook where the children were supposedly kept as sex slaves. Wow, I hate that. <laughs> You'll like the next line. No. There is maybe. absolutely no evidence to support any part of this claim. Oh, sick. Okay, yeah. you were right. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, Rand continues to profess his innocence and denies any involvement in any of the many missing children cases that he has been linked to. Even the ones he's convicted of? Yes. There what was yeah, no physical evidence yeah. whatsoever. All of both of his convictions were based on eyewitness accounts and overwhelming circumstantial her, yeah, evidence. I guess that would count as finding her body near. Yeah, his, finding yeah. her body near his campsite just means somebody killed her yeah. over there, right? Or at least put her body there. It's uh, eyewitness accounts, dude. There are even people. It's who, just that. With the eyewitness accounts and the fucking body and the fact that you're a goddamn registered sex offender already. Yeah. That's enough for me to be like, you should just confess, motherfucker. There are still people who believe that uh, he potentially didn't do it. At least. There always is people who. uh, I know. I'm always willing to believe that the thing I believe is not true. But with this much evidence. Even circumstantial. Right. It's going to take a lot more than that. Like, that's beyond a reasonable doubt to me. Yes. And apparently the court system. Exactly. So. uh, And this dude is white. (laughs) In the 80s. Yeah. Authorities still believe that he is linked to all the cases we've mentioned previously and several others with an underwhelming amount of evidence. Uh, Underwhelming meaning that they either... They don't see a point in pursuing it at this point, or there really is just so little that that they would be laughed out of a courtroom if they tried to bring him in on that amount of evidence. For example, a trash bag with like some random assortment of items in it next to a a hospital full of um, mentally unstable children. Right. Like, and that's that couldn't even be directly connected to Rand. Right. With no DNA, no fingerprints or nothing like that. Like, they can't connect it directly to him. Mm-hmm. So that's technically circumstantial. So we'll finish off this story with a quote from the documentary, which Josh feels largely comes up a lot of what we do here on Two Towns Over. It is not the urban legend that claims to be the truth but whether that the truth is a range of possibilities and it is up to the audience to decide which truth that they chose to believe, even though it's usually either fake or the result of a ghastly. <laughs> the last part was me. <laughs> nice. It's Mercury. <laughs> it's e- either that or it is just an actual murderer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or you have anemia. 
a lot of times it's just a murderer. Yeah. Like 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 too many times. And that takes us out of the story. Again, I'm gonna see Kaylee, Caitlin, and Marcy. Did I get it right? Look it up. I don't know. I was lying when I said I remembered all three of their names. I love ah, you guys. We love y'all. Oh, I can edit all um, that out. Shouts out to my plant babies. Everybody else, follow <laughs> us on fucking Facebook. Facebook to facebook.com forward slash two towns over an urban legends podcast. Also, Patreon, give us money. We got like six of y'all. Anyway, follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash two towns over. And um, because we've only got six of you right now, I'm still willing to say your names on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> so we've got Katie Reitzel. Uh, She's a ride the or one die. And only. We got Muddy Blairy, my current favorite name. Great. We got uh, Amanda Galilee. 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 Yeah, we, Galilee. We, we, we fucked it up the God first time. No, we got it right the first time. Then Every we fucked time. it up after. And now I don't remember what the real one <laughs> Now is. I understand why people call my, say, put a D on the end of my name. <laughs> um, Jonathan Brada. Uh, Carly, no last name given, my favorite. Uh, and then Whitney Ketchum, Ash Ketchum's aunt. Who still refuses to change her name to Ash for us. No, no, she's just his aunt now, canonically. Okay, heard. We appreciate all of them so much. And if you want to help us, but you don't have the financial means to subscribe to the Patreon, you can do that too by helping our algorithm. Give us a five star rating. Give on us Spotify. The, give or us the five star rating the on whatever ones. you listen to us on. If it has a rating system, if thumbs it's a it thumbs up, up give us that fucking thumbs up. If if you're mean, on the I social medias, go go and follow. You know, all, share all us of them. So We've that got other people share. who might like us can hear us. Yes, tell your friends about us. You can support us without giving us money, and we appreciate contact, that almost as much as we do the money. Contact Kaylee at her fucking grocery in <laughs> Ohio and tell her you need Sassagrass Charlie <laughs> and or Ghost Stroke. We're start. We're starting a full grassroots, <laughs> literal crowdsourcing. You goddamn right. <laughs> You can do anything with teamwork. Yes. It's the friends you made along the way. That's the power. Right. You can do anything, including start a cult with teamwork. Uh-huh. Yeah. Welcome don't, to my- Don't, though. Welcome to my SCP cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll do when we do the cult series. We'll have Ruben start a cult and see how long we can carry I, it. I don't Heard. know if I could start a cult, really. I don't actually know- uh, well, when you're the leader, you don't have to do very much. It's, it's a lot of yeah. delegating. Yeah, but you got to convince the first, like, ten people to fuck you. <laughs> usually. That's, like, usually, usually yeah. step one. And you guys, I mentioned this earlier. I'm not good at that right now. And you don't, it's, you've, you've got to really bide your time until you introduce the apocalypse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't just rush into that. Trauma no. does a lot to fuck with you. And one of the things it does is means you can't start a cult. Yeah, true. I mean, I I could maybe start like a philosophy cult, but that's not like fun. <laughs> it's just a bunch of nerds sitting around playing D anD. d There's not not nearly enough sex or drugs involved. Th- right, that. right. I, you can't start a cult where I'm like, let's smoke this weed and talk about how God is kind of real if he's a concept, <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like love or even hate maybe, or how light and dark should be different metaphors. <laughs> we could do that. So, 
So Ruben's Rants in my is cult, a cult. There's yeah. <laughs> We're it's in my cult. I encourage a lot of um, cuddling and heavy petting, but not sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we'll end with that. So. <laughs> the I've term been, heavy petting never ceases. So to make fun, laugh. right? It's good. <laughs> I've been Don. I've been Ruben. I've been Josh. Shouts out to my plant babies. Shout out to the plant babies all Bye. the time. Goodbye.